Learning styles are a topic that very often gets discussed when we're talking about learning solution design. However, there's so many myths and so many misunderstandings, it's really hard to know what we're talking about. So tune into this podcast and let's discuss this very topic. Click next to continue. So uh, welcome everyone to another episode of Click Next to Continue. Uh, today, I've got Andy Houghton with me today. Um, he's someone that uh, we regularly have conversations uh, on LinkedIn, uh, and it's really fantastic to be able to, I guess, meet him in person virtually and uh, have a little bit of a chat. So uh, welcome, Andy. Um, uh, would you mind uh, giving a little bit of a, a, a take, a, a bio of, of uh, what you do and your passions um, for, for our audience? Hi, Raf. Well, thanks for inviting me on. It's great to be with you. And actually, again, to meet you in person. Uh, we've had a few uh, few interchange uh, exchanges, as you said, on LinkedIn and uh, Clash Swords on a couple of occasions, I think. So, yeah, I mean, most of my career I've spent in teaching and training. Uh, a lot of that's been abroad, teaching English as a foreign language. Then mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. came back to the UK and I got interested in e-learning, but I wanted to start from the bottom up. I wanted to understand the multimedia side of things. So mm -hmm. I've done, you know, I've done a lot of teaching, I've done writing, preparing materials, but I wanted to understand how to put it all together. And, you know, I was mm -hmm. talking to people who would, they would just talk about GIFs and JPEGs and pings, and I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> and yep. I, wanted, I wanted to have a conversation with them and know that they weren't pulling the cloth over my eyes and that sort of thing. So I went back to college and we, we studied multimedia because you didn't say the T. So we we're doing things like director and <laughs> illustrator and Photoshop and, and all yep. that sort of good stuff. And yep. then eventually got a job as an e-learning producer. That's what I thought was a great title. Um, sounded good. Yep. And we did a lot of stuff <laughs> in Flash. We used, to, um, we used to build stuff in Flash. And the, the, the company wanted everyone to be able to write, to, to check, to test, to build, to code, do the whole thing. So that was a great mm -hmm. place to learn. And then I moved okay. on a couple of other jobs. You know, I've been sort of teaching people about Moodle and all that sort of stuff and, um, and doing instructional design. And now um, I make explainer videos. And so, for those of you playing along at home, I guess what, what is an explainer video? How, you, how would you uh, encapsulate that? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, well, Leela Fever, I think, started off with Common Craft. I mean, I think those were the first ones that came into, into my view. Um, where he'd mm -hmm. have short videos that explain something. And they usually start off with a, a problem. I said, well, here's the problem, and it's often around IT, and, and this is a solution, and this is how it fixes the problem. And they've often yep. been used to explain products now. There's all sorts of them about. But mm -hmm. I became mm -hmm. interested in that, actually, when I was working at a college, and we were looking at how we could teach maths, and, you know, is there any way we could create videos that would help uh, teach maths? Okay, well, that's, uh, that's uh, obviously quite a, a good background with a lot of depth into this space. And, and uh, to, to that point of, I guess, you know, the, the clashing swords uh, on, uh, on certain topics. So I guess uh, one of the topics, we, we probably, it's not so much clashing swords, it's, it's just more so that uh, you were probably kicking me in the butt and correcting me a little bit, <laughs> is, is I'm one of those people um, that whenever uh, I see the term pop up in the learning space, about learning styles, I start to see a bit of red um, and I start mm -hmm. to get a little upset. Um, and very often um, I kind of post around, you know, the, the thing that is learning styles myth. Um, and very often when I post about that learning style myth, uh, you then go ahead and correct me and say that I'm actually talking about... The meshing hypothesis. <laughs> exactly right. So I guess one of the things I'd, I'd like for us to unpack at the very start of this podcast is, is get you to explain what learning styles are, and then I guess also communicate how meshing hypothesis fits into that. Um, because I guess meshing hypothesis is the thing that in an L&D space, most people refer to at a higher level when they're talking about designing learning styles. But obviously, there's mm -hmm. a bit of a misunderstanding and misconception there. So what are learning styles, Andy? Ah, that's a good question. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a broad thing. I think it's because different people, as you said, are coming at it from different ways. So mm -hmm. obviously the one that people talk about most is the visual, audio, and kinesthetic. Um, mm -hmm. There's also people going back, they used to about left brain, right brain. Um, there's, but there's all sorts of people talking in different ways about learning styles. And I think it's just about uh, how we process information. 
how we sort mm-hmm. of assimilate information, what we do with it, how we recall it, and all that sort of stuff. And that mm-hmm. people aren't all the same, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. lots of different people coming at it from different angles. And I'm not saying that any one of these learning styles is definitive or the way to go. But I just think mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting looking at all of them and then to uh, perhaps look at some common threads that run through all these different ideas and see if you can use them. And I think yeah. one, one of the big things about the meshing hypothesis is that people always put afterwards that you teach to that style. Whereas yeah. all the people I know and all the books I've seen, it's go, well, what do you do with this? Will you try and include everyone by using a variety of methods, approaches, and whatever? Yeah, And I think that's okay. one of the big stumbling blocks for me because, you know, if you... You know, people laugh at learning styles, and they—I've they, seen webinars where people are are mocking them and say, "Oh, we all know better than this now." And then they mm. say, "But I've seen some really interesting research which talks about convergent and divergent thinkers." Mm-hmm. So, converge—it's uh, like a top-down, bottom-up sort of big picture yep. to detail. So, convergent starts off at the top level, and they sort of go down to small, and a divergent starts off with small and comes out to big. Mm-hmm. How, you know, which is what we've been talking about in well, different schools of uh, learning styles, you know, different kind of mm-hmm. the way people process that information and how they find it easy to process. Yeah. So yeah. I think what the thing that, you know, I see red because people are generally mocking the learning styles and this guy saying over the weekend is, you know, saying, oh, it's a silly idea. And people talk about zombies. I mean, that I, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah then they refuse the, to die. They just keep coming back. They, they do. It's the I, you know, you talk about a growth mindset and the fixed mindset. Back in the day when I was at college, we talked about a fossilized mindset, and you know, <laughs> people aren't going to let go of that. They're just not going to come to that realization. And especially if you start writing books about it and putting people down, and mm. but every time you ask them about it, they're talking about the meshing hypothesis. And, and I think you know that that's one of the things that I, I kind of that's. That's why I gravitated towards you uh, in terms of uh, participating in this podcast is, you, you know, you're someone that kind of does unpack it. Like I'm guilty. I'm, I'm sure in, in events or podcasts or webcasts, I've, I've talked about, you know, learning styles are, are garbage. And ultimately the thing I was talking about is probably for me, you know, the meshing hypothesis side of things. But coming from the perspective of is, I guess, how it's most commonly used um, in the digital space, at least, um, where very often you see e-learning as just slabs and slabs and slabs of text. Um, and then in the top left corner, there's a little play button and there's just an narrator that reads out the text. And you're like, why have you done this? And like, oh, well, we're catering, you know, to our visual learners because there's some pictures and then we're catering to our auditory learners by having narration. And, and I yeah. think that's, that's probably, you know, applying it with a misunderstanding of what it's about. So it's not a case of, you know, just catering to different streams. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's designing something that inherently is inclusive of all streams and the way people process, you know, to the point of, yeah. um, I guess, also looking at well, what's appropriate for the learning outcome. Um, you know, I'd, I'd imagine that you probably wouldn't go, well, someone's an auditory learner and they're going to learn how to ride a bike. So I'm just going to give them a podcast on how to <laughs> ride a bike because obviously that particular activity <laughs> is something you probably want to practically do. Um, so I think, you know, that, that's something to call out. And, and as I said, in, in the learning space, um, a lot of people gravitate to it because it seems like a really logical framework of how to mm-hmm. make learning more successful. I just create something that's audio-based for this person and something that's visual-based for this person and then something that's scenario-based for this person. Why do you think people gravitate towards this? And I guess that that misinterpreted that basis no interpretation. I've no idea. I mean, I don't meet those people. I mean, I <laughs> you know, the e-learning that you've described, I've not really seen. I have seen some years ago, <laughs> and it, it was more. It was the be the be text on the screen, and you'd have to sort of wait while someone read the text, and then you have yep. to move on. Mm-hmm. And I, I can understand someone saying that they, oh yeah, yeah. But what does that tell you about the people that are designing that e-learning? Yeah, it exactly. tells me two things. They don't know about it, and they never ever do any themselves. Because as soon as you try and do that, you go, "Well, I've read it." Because you can you can read faster than you can listen, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've read that, and I got to you know, this guy's just interfering with my reading, and I I, I want to move on. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's 
it's, it's people that don't really understand learning and don't do any e-learning that maybe are saying yep. those things. So where does that come from? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's, it's, I think learning, and this is kind of my, that there's, there's a real fixation. There's, I think there's two communities in the L&D space. There's those to gravitate to the next silver bullet. So we've got learning styles, mm-hmm. gamification, micro learning, using videos. No, don't use videos, use interactive and all that. So they're looking mm-hmm. for a silver bullet that mm-hmm. then is just their model for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always looking for the next thing. And then I think there's there's the second community, um, which is they look at all the models and then they go, what is appropriate when based on good learning design? Mm-hmm. Because good learning design, I think, is independent of median um, and independent of kind of saying, you know, um, we have to design learning. That's an e-learning model. You design what the learning needs is and then you align the appropriate medians and methodologies based on that need rather than, I guess, chicken before the egg of going, we're going to create something gamified. How do we make all this content gamified? Well, would you agree with that or have you got a different sense? Um, I think I think I do. I, 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 yeah, you, you know, you, the technologies, you, you kind of you, you use that to do what you want to do. So for me, it would, it would come back down to the, the learning objectives and what you're trying to achieve. And then you say, well, what's the best way to achieve this? And that's the same with any sort of teaching. You look at what's around you, what resources you've got, and you say, mm-hmm. how can I achieve this in the best way? You know, there might be a much better way, but you just haven't got the money. You know, when, yep. when I went back to school in the States, you know, there was this when computers were beginning to be used to, for training. And, the, and one of the students said, well, why don't you teach us how to, to write things for computers? And they said, well, a lot of our teachers go all around the world, and the only thing, things you can get is brown paper and uh, marker pens. So we yep. teach you to be able to teach with brown paper and marker pens, and then you can apply that theory to anything. So yep. yeah, I'd go back to the learning objectives and what you can, uh, you know, and how you can use that. Mm. And I think the other thing is, and I, I was going to say, you know, at the end of your, um, uh, the end of the podcast, you said, uh, "What's you know, one thing you want to take away?" There's there's a podcast I watch, and at the end they say, um, "What's one thing people should be talking about that they're not talking about?" And I think mm. you hit on some of it there that learning isn't. You know, people talk about learning as though it's one thing, but it's it's lots of different things. You know, learning a shortcut on a keyboard is different from learning how to negotiate something. You know, Gagne yep. said that back in the seventies. You know, teaching someone to is it strip down a gun or load a gun is different from a complex math equation. You know, yeah. they're just very different things. So you've got to look at what the problem is and then what you're trying to achieve, which I would call the learning objectives. I would also mm-hmm. you look at those learning objectives in terms of knowledge, skills, attitude, and awareness. Yes, um, yes. And see where the challenge is. You know, there'll be overlap, but, you know, where is the big challenge? Often the big challenge is attitude, which is the hardest thing. You know, attitude leads mm-hmm. on to behavior. That's, that's the way I see it. Anyway. But yeah. people try and teach knowledge, you know, and you're going, like, well, no, you want, to, you want to sort of approach things differently, you know. So like customer service, you know, people actually, um, they, they recruit for attitude. They recruit people with the mm. right attitude. We can teach you the skills and the knowledge, but get, getting people the right, you know, the right way of speaking to people, that's, that's the difficult thing. So if yeah, you can break it down definitely. that and then and, and then think about it and then think about, well, you know, how am I going to do this? Hmm. And I think, you know, I, uh, funnily enough, that's that's sort of one of the things if we pull it back to, um, I guess, the, the hyper uh, meshing hypothesis um, is even when you're thinking about it through that lens, it doesn't really touch on that side of things, which is looking at it, I guess, through that lens of, well, why why is this current behavior not happening? Um, and usually the answer won't be well because the training wasn't provided as auditory or training wasn't provided as visual. It's probably got to do with, okay, well, is it a skills gap? Is it a knowledge gap? Is it something else? So is it something emotive or attitude-based or something along yeah. those lines? And then the, the last bit, um, and again, this is kind of something where I find, you know, that the meshing hypothesis is if you look at it from that perspective, you completely miss this the opportunity to ask this question is, is there something systemically wrong or environmentally wrong that is actually the thing that will achieve the outcome rather than looking at training just straight away? Um, and I think that's kind of one of the things, again, with, with all these concepts, they're very focused on training 
it's already assumed that training of some sort is the answer and then they start mm-hmm. diving in from there. Whereas I think good learning design actually starts by almost just dropping the learning and looking at it from a just a let's design something that's a solution. So we have to understand a problem and we have to understand what our goal is and then we define if learning actually plays a part in it and all that sort of thing and then we map it appropriately. Yeah, I think learning would take a part in it because you know learning is changing from where you are now to where you are in the future thing so you there's something has to change and that's that's mm-hmm. sort of a change is part of learning and learning is part of risk and all that, all the rest of it so mm-hmm. um so i think yeah but but it's like how how do you get to that um yeah. and when you say learning do you mean there's is it a, a created piece of learning you know um mm-hmm. you know like a, a module or something you know because we all i don't know you probably do the same i'm 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 doing all sorts of things. I've uh, moved my website over to a different hoster and, and things went horribly wrong. And I'm trying to mm. find out about all this stuff and how I can fix it. And I don't know this stuff. So you're looking on videos, you're looking on reading blogs, you're reading mm. SSL pages, certificates. Pardon? SSL certificates, JavaScript all of a sudden. <laughs> Love it all, love it all. And, and and the thing is, they're telling me, well, not all websites, you know, work so well. You know, I bought this one. It's going to turbocharged. You know, it's going to be fast. <laughs> and it's going, it's going so slow. And, and and basically, I kind of worked out that their, their, their optimizing plugin wasn't working. And they're just telling yeah. me it's not working on, on my website. You know, it's a WordPress website, which are gazillions of them. It uses a theme, a Nevada theme, which is one of the most popular. It's not one of the fastest, but it's one of the most popular. And I said, what's mm. so special about this? You know, and it's a small website. And and the fact that I kind of worked out that their, their optimizing plugin wasn't working. And and they're still trying mm. to tell me I need to get a um a programmer to fix it. And you know, I some I got a I got another plugin which was quite cheap and it just it's, it's going really fast now. So, yeah. But you've got to kind of work yeah. it out yourself. You know? <laughs> and I think we do That's that. It. I think people are doing it more and more. You know, if you go back to 70, 2010. You know, it was stuff done in the 60s. And, and I was thinking about that today. The environment was very, very different then. You know, when my yeah. dad was training people, he'd take them out with him. You know, they go and they'd pair up and they'd go out and visit people and he'd help them. You know, he was their manager. That was part of his job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's yeah. very different now. Yeah. And uh, I guess so pulling back to the learning side of things, and, and I've kind of yeah. got a question that I'm interested to know about, is obviously we've established there's, I guess, a bit of misinterpretation around what learning styles is. And I think, you know, uh, depending who you're speaking to, you're probably speaking with people who, when they hear learning styles, are, are thinking of something quite different. Um, but why do you mm. think learning styles is such a polarizing topic, especially for, I guess, a community of people that their function is to learn and, and just gain information and become as educated as, I guess, you know, their goal is to educate others and help them develop their knowledge. So why, why are we stuck in such a polarized state with learning styles? Um, I'm only guessing here, but I mean, what kind of alerted me to it was you'd read a blog and it, it went on, a, you know, one of the things was uh, what you were talking about before, they were teaching bird recognition through uh, visual people, obviously had pictures, but ordinary people had bird songs. <laughs> yep. you know as a teacher you go, what you know, that's just that's ludicrous and they go ah oh, you see it doesn't work <laughs> and but then all the blogs were saying exactly the same thing and almost the same way and if you if you were a teacher and that people handed those in as assignments you'd be looking at plagiarization yeah. and then you go like there's no there's no personal insight here there's no you know i mm. tried this or i had a personal experience and then you look at their profiles and they're the people who are, you know, intelligent people, yeah, but they don't haven't got a teaching background. Yeah. Uh, probably haven't got a teaching qualification. Haven't really done any teaching. Maybe they run a few workshops, and you know, they're all kind of jumping on this bandwagon. It seemed to me, and it's mm. also it seems that like people like throwing mud at this. It's mm-hmm. a it's a mud pot. You know, it's a it's an easy target. You're going to look good. If I went up and put a post on, which I thought about doing something, it's learning styles. It's all that rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> loads yeah. of people, I get loads of likes and say, yeah, right yep. on and all that sort of thing. Um, and I think that's, it keeps the ball rolling. Um, yeah. And, and the, the people are just sort of stuck in that groove. And you go, look, it doesn't, linguistically, it doesn't make sense to define something and have to use it in the definition. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
And actually, just a just a the question that sort of popped into my head is often very very often uh, when I'm looking at it when I start to try and scratch below the surface and understand where any research around learning styles is or, or meshing hypotheses or any of that it ends up being quite heavily nested in teaching. Um, so there's recent stuff from a university, then there's some, you know, um, research. And, and again, I, I, I probably use research um, in some cases loosely. I know that, that if someone was a research professional, they'd probably be clipping me behind the ears around saying that wasn't research. But essentially, it seems to be quite heavily nested in an environment of teaching. Do you think that also is, I guess, a bit of a disconnect between when we're thinking about learning styles and, I guess, all the concepts that fall underneath that compared to, I guess, when we're talking a, a learning environment where it isn't so much a teaching situation where you've got someone passing on their knowledge or someone creating an environment and catering to that audience mm-hmm. where it's more individualized, self-motivated, self-driven, um, and I guess more around designing an environment for someone to learn rather than teaching them something. Do you think there's a difference? I think there's a massive difference, and I think that's where the nub of the problem is, that a lot of the people that speak out against it are uh, psychology professors, and a Mm -hmm. lot of the people that are writing about it are people who come from a teaching background, where Mm -hmm. you've got, um, I'll read you something in a minute, it's like, you know, 30 kids, or something like that, 30, 40 kids in the classroom, and there was Mm -hmm. was one thing, (laughs) a thing I had on LinkedIn, and this guy was saying, oh, learning styles is all rubbish, you know, no teaching background, no teaching qualification. Um, was it me? And at the same time, there was. Huh? No, no. <laughs> was it me? Was, um, <laughs> no, it wasn't you. And at the same time, and there was, and, and I can't get her surname, Andrea Safiraku, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. She won the 2018 Best Teacher in the World. <laughs> and she'd yep. come out and she said, I love teaching all my students. There's so many different learning styles. <laughs> yeah. So who am I going to believe? You know, <laughs> she's just one best yep. teacher in the world. I mean, she's, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a. Uh, that, that that you know competition i don't know how you decide the best teacher in the world but obviously she's very very competent at what she does and she's sort of yes she's a fantastic teacher and all the rest of it and you know she's she appreciates that you know got all these car, uh, kids from all different cultures all sorts of different backgrounds and she's trying to deal with that and one of the books that mm. um that i read a long while back was called writing the educational conveyor belt by a guy mm. called michael grinder and it was mm-hmm. heavily based in michael grinder um, it was heavily based in uh, VAK. Uh, There's a lot of that in it. Um, 1991, so a good chunk of time ago, and he, he talks about learning styles um, originating in the 1960s. So, so this, his way, 1991, is a modern look at it, right? And he yes. said, in a typical classroom of 30 students, this is in America, there's an average of 22 students who have enough visual, auditory, and kinesthetic cap- capacities that the urge to pigeonhole them into VAK categories is senseless and impractical. Mm. So that's what he's saying, right? Uh, on the other hand, at the end, there are two to three students who are not learning for reasons other than their processing learning style. Maybe they've got problems at home, there's some learning disabilities or something like that. Yep. And the student, the other students, there's maybe five in a class who are struggling. And part of his argument is that students progress through when we learn, you know, we, we receive the we understand the world initially through feelings and touch and taste and smell. Then we move on more mm-hmm. to auditory and that gets developed and then visual and that gets developed and so on. And he's saying that, you know, kids go through that process. And if they go through too fast in the, within the system, they can fall off the conveyor belt. Yes. Yep. So what he's talking about is is identifying, not doing a a, a a very simple test. You know, there's lots of observational tasks. We get other teachers in, getting to know your students, kind of what's working for them, what what they're finding difficult, then creating all sorts of different activities which include them in it. And um, yeah, I mean, there's one thing where he talks about reading. So you're trying to recommend books that 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 kids could get involved in that they, they that they would enjoy. So he was saying, I think that a visual uh, reader would want something with a lot of description in it. Uh, auditory would, like, you know, in dialogue, and the kinesthetic mm-hmm. wants action and movement and things like that. I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. I'm not saying it is, but you know, it seems like 
that might be reasonable. And you know, and you and he's got this form where you talk to the students. What sort of books do you like reading? And if they don't read any books, you say, well, what sort of films do you like? And so, what do you like about mm. it? To try and match them up with a book which they're going to enjoy reading. So yeah, um, and that sort of contrasts with uh, the. And I think that's that's quite an interesting point there because you know, to to that situation, ultimately it's it's about looking at the same median, but then the the how the information is, I guess, structured and its theme, and and I guess the how 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 within that meeting it's communicated is more looking at how that person prefers it rather than going, well, you're visual, so you're going to have the picture book, you're auditory, so you're going to have a podcast, and then over here you've got something else. I think it's that's that's kind of thing where it's it's looking at the needs of the individual, not pigeonholing them, but then looking at okay, what what kind of is the best way of them engaging and i kind of don't like that word because it's uh, over mm. overused but what's a way of presenting no. this so that someone will then be motivated to engage with it and consume it and, and kind of get the benefit of it how, how do we align to i guess trigger that motivational response of oh actually yeah now i'm on board with with um absorbing this that, that's exactly it and, and when i go back to sort of 1988 when i first came um heard about learning styles I, I can see the sort of the room where we were all in and there was a teacher had come in they were talking about i can't remember which one it was but there were four styles and they're saying well you know if you if you do a chalk talk kind of presentation well that's going to appeal to 25 percent of the class um 50 of the class would be kind of okay and then 25 percent it probably won't they won't like that very much mm. so and then the conclusion was well you know it, particularly when you're presenting something at the beginning was that you needed kind of like a mixture of mixture of different ways of presenting it to make sure everyone's engaged in the beginning so they don't drop off or fall off the the conveyor belt mm-hmm. and then the you know once you sort of further into it and that's what i mean there's a there's an article that's in the paper called the guardian i don't know if you've heard yep. Our guardian. Yep. Mm-hmm. okay um the guy's uh professor bruce hood is chair of development psychology in society at the university of bristol um and he says most people believe they have he's against learning styles he thinks most people believe they have a preferred learning style i don't know that's true Mm. either visual auditory or kinesthetic i don't think people believe that but and he says and teaching using a variety of these styles can be engaging (laughs) yeah that's kind of what we're saying and he says um the group opposes the theory because it's just 30 academics had written in saying that you know writing against learning styles. The group opposes mm. the theory that learning is more effective if pupils are taught using an individual approach identified as their personal learning style. Mm. Some pupils, for example, are identified as having a listening style and could therefore be taught with storytelling and discussion rather than written exercises. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know who, who, who's saying that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know... school that's saying... Yeah, you know, we're not going to we're not going to do that. We're going to do that because this in 1991 is is saying no, that's not that at all. Mm. And I think the other thing that kind of starts to bring into it, and this is again something that I very often I see as a misinterpretation, um, at least from from my experience, is um, that people have a have a have a learning preference. I'll go, yeah, absolutely, like just the same as I have a fashion preference, I have a preference for my music and all that. Like people have preferences yeah. and obviously along with that preference, I, I just gravitate towards something that I enjoy more. But I guess the mm-hmm. thing that very often I see is that people go, well, we have to adapt to learning styles so people enjoy their learning more, they find it more fun because then they'll learn more. And I think that for me is one sort of dangerous assumption because it, it, it that's being shown that essentially just because someone's enjoying learning doesn't actually mean that they're going to absorb more or less or they're actually absorbing anything. Um, like someone can go, that was fantastic. I love that game. Um, and they go, great. What's what's the learning outcome? Or like ask them anything that's a learning outcome. I go, don't know, but geez, it was fun. I think that kind of premise yeah. is almost based in the in the in the wrong, I guess, conclusion of we have to use learning styles to make things more engaging and fun, and then that yields the learning result. It's like the the because bit is false, therefore the lead into it, which is we have to use learning styles, isn't right anyway because it, it's kind of trying to lead into something that isn't the purpose of it, I guess. 
Yeah, I, I think you know, again, you know, people are coming coming at learning styles from a from a different way, and they're using them um, differently. But I think yeah, I get the thing about fun. I don't think learning mm. has to be fun, but I think mm. it has to be engaging or rewarding, or or, or there's, yes. there's got to be something in there. And that makes you yeah. want to keep on because you know because it's not fun. If you mind you, I've, you know I've done th- stuff that I really haven't enjoyed doing it, but that's that's just kind of me. That that's kind mm-hmm. of my problem. But I've wanted to do it, and I've stuck through it, and I've I got there in the end. But I I didn't find it easy, and it, it probably wasn't fun. But um, especially thing is, I used to I, I went to a night class. You know, I'd work all day, and then at six o'clock, and you know I had to go and do all this sort of math stuff and it was it was really challenging but you know i wanted to do it and i stuck at it <laughs> but yeah you, you just got to kind of, you kind of crack book on some of those things you know you, you have to you have to learn how to do them it might not be a whole lot of fun yeah. but you try and make it as fun as possible or you try and make it i mean my thing i think is you try and make it as easy as possible for people yes yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a big thing like making it as easy and, and kind of some of my favorite catchphrases and they're almost the exact same ways when it comes to learning as short as possible, as long as necessary and as simple as possible, mm. but as complex as necessary. And again, mm. that's going to that point. It's like the goal of learning is to get me from A to B in the shortest amount of time and effectively. So what, what's yeah. the kind of, you know, the goal should be, hey, how do, we, how do we make this learning journey for the individual as easy as possible? Um, and yeah. ultimately, I think in a lot of cases, that is first breaking down a lot of the barriers we put in front of people through, you know, uh, that, I guess, uh, silver bullet approach where the, there's stuff that's gamified that people are sitting there going, I'm already motivated, just give me the information or things are, you know, <laughs> explainer videos. I think that's actually a really funny one because, again, like for me, explainer videos are, Explain something in a short amount of time so someone can go, yep, got it, and apply. And then you start getting explainer videos and, you know, they're like 10 minutes, which, again, duration is a measure, but they start going into <laughs> like, you know, yeah. <laughs> they, um, they, they go into, um, I guess, there's a struggle of delineating what is relevant and what is related. And, and what I see is an explainer video is that there starts to be a bloating of including stuff that is related to what we're trying to achieve but mm. probably not relevant um, i guess point mm. of case is you know when, when you often see induction modules like here's the history of the company it's like what mm. what how does this help me in week one integrate mm. into this culture and everything knowing that 1874 was when the first person started this in a shed in you know southeast australia or something exactly it's i mean that, I, 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 that's I, one of the gaps I used to sort of like teach people how to use an authoring tool and they, they, they were working on their induction module. It's one of the councils in London. And they said, yeah, it was like, you know, this is the, uh, you know, the head of the council and these are the different offices. And, that, and they polled people what they wanted to know. They wanted to know, uh, I think, where the coffee machine was, when they yep. got paid, mm-hmm. when they could book mm-hmm. a holiday. And it, that, that's what they wanted to know. And yep. you know, the reason I called the company what you need to know is, is for that reason. I mean, it's, it was going to websites initially and the website says, Oh, we're fantastic. We've won all these awards and we've got these great people and we really care about people. And you go, yeah, what do you actually do? And you, you couldn't get it. So and a lot of e-learning <laughs> yeah. seemed to be like that, you know, it's like all this fantastic stuff. And you know, you, so what you need to know is like, really, what, 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 what do people need to know? What's the, <laughs> the absolute essence that they need to know? And it's an editorial mm. decision. You know, no one, you, no one can answer that. You know, you, yes. it's a judgment call. You got to like go well. They got to have some some of this and some of that, and then you know. But you you got to kind of whittle it down, and you got to try and make it as short as possible. Although you can't yeah. explain complex things like data protection in. in yes. Yeah, I, I thought I could do it in three minutes when I made my first video. It took me five minutes forty, and then they changed the law and they brought a whole bunch of new stuff in. And yeah, it's kind of it's it's nine minutes, I think. But that's <laughs> you know. A whole lot of stuff that people have to, to, you know, and I wanted to make it as, as, as relevant, you know, sort of like giving examples of how it how it affects us. So, but that's yeah. that's what you know. It's trying to do that, but it's it's a balance, and you have to you have to kill darlings sometimes. Have you, yeah, are you familiar with that phrase? No, I was I was going to say I was I'm going to have to jot that down and have a bit of a Google of it because I'm not sure about that one. I think there's a there's a book called Kill Your Darlings, but it, in 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 a writing sense, it means you have this really good idea. It's really fun. It makes you look really good. 
but it just doesn't fit in or it just doesn't add something. And you have to you have to cut it out, and, you know. And I've, I've spent days when I got this like, is this a great bit? You know, this is this is good. <laughs> I can see the visuals; it's going to look fantastic. And I go like, yeah, but it's I'm either kind of showing off, or you know, it just yes. it's just not. You don't need to know this stuff. You know? Yeah, it has to so, end up on the uh, editing room floor. Yeah, and it's that editing thing that you you know when I mean to to put a video for me together. You know, the scripting is like it's easy to come out with the broad thing. And it's like, was it Churchill said or someone like that said, you know, no, it's easy to write a long piece of something that's that's a, a long piece yeah. of writing, but it's, it's really, it takes me, it'll take me all day to write a short piece or something like that. But that's, that's yeah, what it I, takes. I, I, I think I, yeah, I remember it, like it, it was something around, you know, it takes him, it can take him 10 minutes to write a speech that's two hours, but two hours to write a speech that's 10 minutes or something of that uh, flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, you know, getting, getting the, the scripts right and sort of like nailing it down and then trying to sort of really um, get it, you know, as tight as you can. Mm-hmm. That's, it's, it's, I don't think, you know, it's, I think a lot of teaching, because I'm from a teaching background, is, you know, mm-hmm. it's between an art and a science, you know, so you can look at it, try and look at it scientifically, but it's not going to tell you everything. So, yep. you know, yeah. there's lots of people, and I think this is what happens with learning, getting back to learning styles a little bit, is that yep. they'll look about how a, a mod, molecule of water um, reacts, and but it doesn't tell you anything about the wave. And learning's mm-hmm. about a wave. You know, there's all sorts of things pulling at it. There's yep. winds, there's mood, there's all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's not just about those little molecules of water. You know, we're, we're trying to find pinpricks of light in the darkness that shine on little yeah. things that you know illuminate our way a little bit better and it's, it's yeah. not a hard science i don't think i like that i like that the uh, the finding the pinpricks because that's exactly you know they often talked about the curse of the sme when you're working with an sme and you go right what's important mm. you, you kind of get well, everything and you, and you kind of <laughs> need to approach it slightly differently and ask slightly different <laughs> questions to actually arrive at okay but what's relevant to getting the person who is in our target audience, how do we get them from mm. where they are right now to where our goal is? And the, the goal isn't to get that person from being a novice to having the same knowledge as our SME because they've exactly. acquired that knowledge over many years and experience. So I think that's a, you know yeah. another sort of control method. Hey, on, on the topic of uh, learning styles, um, since, you know, <laughs> the since it came up. About, yeah, yeah, since it came up. Um, what would you say, I guess, are some of the things that people can take away from learning styles and I guess which models and to just, I guess, have the right mindset that does mean that they are unpacking what's needed and they are thinking of, I guess, being inclusive of, of everyone uh, that may be in their audience. Um, what were, I guess, some of the things that you go, yeah, here's, here's some things that people can take away from if there is, you know, in hypermeshing or the, you know, left, right brain or any of that sort of thing, what would be the things you go, hey, here's, here's some here's some tips you should probably start thinking about it because yeah, they can't say the right like mindset. People are going to say snake oil and things like that if you start <laughs> talking about it. Um, okay. Well, one of the things, as I say, you know, I've got a couple of, I've got training with the LLP and it, it just goes, you know, it says here, uh, what are you to do? You can't please all the people all of the time. What you can do is people is please some of the people some of the time and make sure that some of the people keeps changing. So you're switching things mm-hmm. around. And that's even what these the people are, uh, here are saying, you know, but like a teacher, a teach and teaching using a variety of these styles can be engaging. They're saying the mm-hmm. same sort of thing. But what they don't do is say, well, what are the styles, you know, beyond what they're saying and 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 what how do you put that into practice? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the books that I really like, if I can kind of, uh, is Earl Stevix. Um, he did a, a road book called success with foreign languages, which, mm-hmm. uh, looked at, uh, seven, seven learners and the different ways. And he interviewed them all. He took notes, recorded them. And he's looking for commonalities between them and, and all, and all that sort of thing. Um, Mm-hmm. So I was trying, someone on LinkedIn, he said, yeah, he had a small sample group. <laughs> I was getting, well, yeah, there was seven. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's, it's, it's a book about seven people. So uh, he says the learners all, all met, uh, differ markedly with regard to what they consider to be natural and what they prefer to do or not to do. Um, and they also, uh, with the regard to the kinds of data they seem to hold on to best. Um mm-hmm. 
He said, um, da, 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 Ed and Eugene and some of the others want to understand the structure of things before they practice them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Carla is ready to practice immediately. And there's this, this idea that the structure of things is, is important to some people, right? Mm. There's a guy called yeah. Brian Vass, I think his name is. He's, I think he's Canadian. I've seen some videos that he did on YouTube. So his son, he says, is um, very gifted, does very well at school, but does very badly at, or did very badly at maths. He's mm -hmm. um, a curriculum developer, and his wife was a maths teacher. So he's on this quest to see how he can help his son do well in maths. Mm -hmm. um, and he talks about all things. He comes down to three sorts of things. Some of it's convergent, divergent thinking. Some of it is transferring abilities. Uh, and the other is like building up confidence and that sort of thing. But he also mm -hmm. says he explains uh, maths from the developer's point of view. And he means the curriculum developers. So that's the, he says the overall structure of how all the things fit together. Right. Mm. When he, because he teaches to um, other, other, other uh, students that have trouble with math, he says, when I explain that to them, when I show that to them, they say, is that all there is to it? And it seems yeah. like, you know, these, these people here were saying, well, they really want structure, and other people don't watch structure. Yeah. Um, and back in this training with NLP, there was, there was an activity, and it, it's called, um, it's around concepts, structures, and use. And he's saying mm. basically that, um, at the beginning of the training, particularly, um, some people want to know about the concepts behind it, uh, some of the philosophy behind it, some of the structure, some of like what's in it for me. Everyone wants to know all of those things, but we have a preferred sequence. And there's this mm -hmm. game, you know, like, you can, and I used to do it as a warm up. You say, well, which door do you want to go through? You know, you don't want to find out the concept behind it, or do you want to structure the use? And he's saying the takeaway from that is, is, is to include all three. He said, mm. often, you know, you miss one out. And you might talk about the concept and the structure, but you don't say what, what it's useful for. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. so, you, you know, whereas people might have a different preference, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's that including it all in. So for me to see, you know, in Stevic, you know, a couple of the people, he said, like, structure is really important. For others, it's not so important. Brian mm -hmm. Bass is saying yeah. that, you know, kids that are failing in maths, a lot of them the, having a big overview of the structure, the big top-down convergent, picture of it is helpful yep. and you know in, in this one so you know there's a thread kind of going through and that's what i find interesting when you see those when you see people are sort of coming at things from different ways but there's some commonality in that yeah it's, it's almost i guess to that point i guess two two things that i hear in that is it's, it's one it's ensuring that you're providing the information in a way that allows everyone to be able to contextualize it in a way that works for them and I guess get mm -hmm. their buy-in. So I guess, you know, if, if I sort of reflect on that, if back when I used to kind of, you know, be sent for various training courses or whatever, you couldn't make me budge if you weren't able to articulate why is this going to benefit me? Like you could be like, yeah, the course is 10 grand, it's three days, there's catering, it's in Queensland, there's water slides. I'm like yeah, but like why? Like why? And and to this day, like I am immovable. If, if someone says do this, and there isn't a why, which gives me, I guess, and for me, the why is here's how things structured. Here's how it fits in the bigger picture. It's kind of that buying perspective. I mean, it's like if if you can't articulate the chances of me budging and actually doing something and being motivated to absorb, slim pickings. Uh, whereas as soon as you're able to articulate, like hey here's how you can take it and here's how it contextualizes into your world and here's the benefits you'll get out of it and, and here's why it's important, then from there on, I'm motivated to, even if the actual learning experience is garbage, I will find the learning in it because I now understand the context. I've now got a framework for being able to, I guess, align it to the way I, I guess, contextualize information and I guess how I scaffold it so it makes sense to myself. And I've got the motivation to then go, okay, I'm, I'm, even if the learning's terrible, I'm going to learn the things that I know will help me then achieve whatever this outcome is because it now makes sense. And it's not about the bulk of the content making sense. It's about why I'll be absorbing that making sense. You're one of those people that ask why all the time. I mean... <laughs> A lot. A I'm lot. exactly the same. You know, I was. I remember maths at school. We did these quadratic equations. I never understood why we did them. I never got yeah. that. It's like, well, yeah. no, this is how you do it. 
And they, I, but why are we doing it? You know, and yeah, I, exactly. I did this thing. <laughs> I had one of the, uh, one of the best sort of teachers was one of the top five linguists in America, and as a teacher, and she's fantastic. And I was going like, why are we? Why are we? We're doing transformational generative grammar. And I was going like, why are we doing this? And I kept on asking her. And she wrote, yeah. she's like, did this book signing at the end of the course. She said, thanks for all your questions, Andy. <laughs> I'm going like, well, yeah, why are we doing this? So, yeah, I mean, it, and then that's what he's saying here. You know, it's this concept structure and use. The use is the applications, uses and benefits, which I think is the one you want. And he mm -hmm. said the third element in this model, possibly the one with the greatest potential, is that we tend to leave out the last one in the sequence. You know, mm. off, that's often left out. And, and some of these things is about, I think when we teach, uh, we tend to teach in the way that we like to be taught. I think there's yes, been some yep. research around that. You, you think that's a good way. You learned that way, so you think that's good so for everyone work. else. Yep. Yeah, because it worked for you, right? So it's their fault. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of what this is doing is pulling around saying, not everyone's like you. You know, the, 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 there are differences. Um mm. And, and it's like trying to find that, know your audience, you know, find out a little bit about those differences. Can you build some rapport with those people? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember used to, I used to have to read through his comments on a forum because uh, the, the staff weren't allowed to see them. But I had to check there was no abuse or anything like that. There's one guy I was always writing now. He says, "Come on, guys! I think we knuckle down, bash our heads together, thrash this out." <laughs> and yeah, it was amazing. And his, all his writing was always like that. And you think, well, if you wanted to try and build rapport with that guy, would you say it looks good to me or it feels like you've got a grasp of this situation? Yeah. You know, you could just try those things out. There's no risk involved, but, you know, it might, he, he might just sort of connect a little bit more with you. Hmm. So, and um, so I guess that circling back to that question we sort of touched on earlier on, um, but on the back of this context, obviously we, we've touched on a few things. We, we've kind of, I guess, expanded on what learning styles is and, and that it is an array of different concepts, touched yeah. on the hyper-meshing and I guess the backgrounds of it and how it works. What would be the one message? If someone just skipped to the very end of this podcast and listened to the last two, three minutes, what would be the one takeaway message you'd like them to have? Let go of the meshing hypothesis. I mean, that's that. It's done. <laughs> it's dusted. <laughs> let go of it and and just look at you know just just re really i mean th there's this one guy and he's always saying you know i think i think people have um i think people have you know forgotten about that years ago so why why is everyone going on about it just put that aside <laughs> what's it they do like so put that in a box put it aside and then then look at some of this stuff with an open mind and, and i get this thing like you know yep. so oh small sample size oh snake oil salesman um yeah I mentioned like Department of Education and PISA and they go, oh, well, they just ask students what they think and we know that doesn't work. Hmm. Well, you know, what are they saying? Does that, does it make sense? You know, there's a, yeah. there's a way you can test that. Uh, one thing that Stevic talks about is this um, guy called McLaughlin, McLaughlin says, you, you know, can't do anything like through consciousness or unconsciousness. It's got to be sort of uh, controlled. But, you know, Popper was saying that all you've got to do is be able to try and falsify it. So you come up with something and can you falsify it? And if yep. you can't falsify it, then, you know, there's probably something to it. Mm. Um, and mm. I, I think, you know, the difference is there's some stuff on the difference between uh, boys and girls in school and reading and the sorts of things they like to read and, and that sort of thing. And it's not all boys, all girls. It's, you know, tendencies and traits. And, you know, as a teacher, would mm -hmm. you notice that? Is there something you can do about that? Is it want you know something you want to discuss? Yep. I think that's that's that, and I think yeah, I think you said when you said earlier, you know, is this about teaching? I think a lot of it is. And I think a lot mm. of the people uh, are telling teachers uh, that they're doing it wrong, but teachers are yep. actually dealing with that sort of thing, and they've got they're coming. They're not, they're not looking at the meshing hypothesis. Yeah, you talk yep. learning yep. styles to teachers. They're talking about all this other stuff that's going on. Hmm. Well, I think you know the the, the thing I, I would say my takeaway from from this would be that, and it's probably something I've said before, but if something is touting that will give you the answers, be suspicious. But if something's saying, "Hey, yeah. it's going to help you ask the right questions," then then keep an open mind um, because questions aren't dangerous. I don't think questions are great because they they have a growth mindset and they help you learn more. But if something's saying that this is the answer, that that's probably when you look at it suspiciously. No. Um, and so long as you've got that thinking, 
then you should be right. There are a lot of people saying, "Yeah, I've got the answer." Um, a lot mm. of people on LinkedIn, yeah, and 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 they don't. What they got is a simple answer to a complex question, and, mm-hmm. and and people like that. We've seen that in all sorts of other areas as well. So yeah. they want to go along. You say, "Yeah, that makes sense." You know, go along with that. But it's all about it's just exploring, just like going a little bit deeper, like listening to someone and. You know, NLP has been it's a myth, isn't it? It's been debunked and all that sort of thing. But look at the stuff that the guy writing about it was saying. And I think a lot of it makes really good sense. Hmm. I'm not sure which part yeah. of NLP has been debunked. I'm not <laughs> just say it's been debunked. A snake oil salesman and all that sort of thing. Yeah, but actually what he's saying is quite rational and sensible. And maybe that's yeah. true. Maybe some. Maybe, maybe there's some truth in it. What, you know... There's the believing game and the doubting game. You know, the believing game is you believe everything you're told. And the doubting game mm-hmm. is you, you, you doubt, you're cynical and you doubt everything you're being told. And it's often yeah. somewhere in between. You know, someone's coming up with some idea and there's a, like a grain of truth in it. There's a little something that you can take away and build mm-hmm. up a bigger picture. Yeah. Well, Andy, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been a, a, an absolute pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed this podcast. It's been a good topic. So uh, thank you for making yourself available uh, early in your morning. Um, really appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me. And it's uh, it's great to actually talk to someone about this instead of just uh, putting putting things on LinkedIn. I'm going to stop doing that. It's not, it's not getting <laughs> me anywhere. <laughs> That's like, well, now you'll have this uh, really fantastic podcast to just share as a link and go, go listen to this. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the whole reason for doing it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, obviously, uh, to the audience, um, if, if you have any questions or, or you want to know more, obviously, the links are on how to contact Andy on LinkedIn will be included with the details of the podcast. Um, please do share your questions, your thoughts, what you've learned, what you don't like, and, and any ideas for future podcasts. Obviously, we love hearing from the audience. Uh, but other than that, uh, thank you again, Andy, and uh, I hope you have a, a wonderful day. Andy, Ruff, thanks a lot. Bye. Click next to continue.